19, Luke chapter 19, and today's passage is loaded, loaded with some <clears throat> great information for you, maybe hard to hear, but if you'll hold on, I know you'll take something home with you. Amen. 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 Are you ready to study God's word? Yes. Well, the Bible says in Luke 19, verse 45 through 48. Then he went into the temple and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people, they sought to destroy him. And they were unable to do anything. For all the people were attentive to hear him. Yes. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to tag this message today when Jesus cleansed the temple. My hip hop version of this text is drama in the house. Drama in the house. Ramatong. I think you'll understand when I say this. Son, we live in a time when people have lost reverence mm -hmm. for the house of prayer. Right. In our generation, people have long since quit respecting the building of God. So much so that there's more drama inside the walls than there is outside of the walls. And it ought not be so, but because we are all fallen creatures bent toward sin, this behavior, thank you, my brother, sometimes it seeps out in the place of worship. All kinds of things are taking place. In the house of God. Am I right y'all? Yes, in fact. The house of prayer. Used to be a place. Where people. Deacon Green. Respected. And feared. Mm -hmm. The Lord. Yes, Got a call this week. From one of my brothers. Who had to, to bury a gang member. In his city had this eulogy at his church, and before they got outside, it was popping champagne bottles, smoking weed in the parking lot. You can't hardly do a funeral now and weed not fill the house. I don't know why I went there. Maybe it's a good analogy. But, beloved, the house of prayer used to be a place where people knew God was present. The house of prayer used to be considered holy ground. But daughter Destiny, uh, uh, now I, I can look back with Father Time on my shoulder and remember there was a time when you didn't even smoke on the parking lot. You didn't drink. You didn't curse. You didn't curse. You didn't curse. You didn't, curse. You didn't lie. You didn't lie. You didn't lie. You didn't gossip. You didn't fight. You didn't hustle. You didn't get high. You didn't sleep during the sermon. You didn't sleep during the sermon. And you didn't sleep during the sermon. You didn't litter on the parking lot. And you didn't even think about stealing from God. That was a time when people had a fear of God. 
do y'all remember being taught that the Lord's house was a place of importance? Do you remember being taught that the Lord's house was the house of prayer? Do you remember being taught that this was the place where God spoke to you? And where you came to worship him. Where you offered a sacrifice to him. Where you came to give an account for the deeds done in the body. But those days, they're gone. Sister Wilson, I've discovered, love of my life, that this TikTok, YouTube, Twitterized, Instagram, Facebook, fast food, self-gratifying generation has done away with those lessons. And we stand now in a generation where respect and reverence for God and his house is no more. I'm not on one this morning. I'm just getting to my point. <laughs> my question is, Reverend Nichols, where did we go wrong? Where did we get off track? Where did we lose our minds? Where did we forget about God? Today's text is a good example of what happens when God has enough. And I'm reminded that judgment will come to the house of God for those who continue uh, to misbehave in his house. I'm not talking about those who don't know better. I'm talking about those who've been left stewards and who should know better. Let me give you some background and culture for your understanding in the passage. At this text today, it's Passover celebration or what we call Passion Week. Jesus is on his way to the cross where he's about to die for the sins of the world. And as he comes into the temple, it's Monday morning. He comes into the temple. He discovers this drama taking place in the temple. You see, back then when people came to the temple or to Passover celebration, they were, they were thought of coming to give God an offering. They, they were thinking about coming to give God praise. They were thinking about remembering all that he had done to rescue them from Egypt in the great exodus. And when they got to the temple, they got all this drama instead of what they were really coming to get. Can I open the temple for you? The temple was a sacred place. God had given extreme um, notice to how he wanted the temple rebuilt. When you first walked into the temple, you would enter into what was called was the Gentile courts. That was where people like you and I, who were non-Jews, had to worship. And then you entered into what was called was the Jewish courts. That was where the Hebrews or the Jewish people worship. Don't get me started. That's racism all in that. And then there was a third court. That was the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest was supposed to be. And there is where they offered your sacrifices to the Lord. Well, in our passage today, when Jesus enters the temple, this is what he sees. First of all, they had things wrong because here is the Messiah, the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And he was not allowed to enter into the third court of the temple. He was the high priest for humanity. But because he didn't line up in Levi's tribe, they had a problem with him. He was from the tribe of Judah. Y'all with me here? They were saying, Jesus, we know who you are, but you can only go so far in here. Can I open it? I ain't got to my point yet. I'm just giving you context and culture. The high priest had so changed the religious order of system 
that was in place that when you came to the temple, they set up a marketplace inside of the Gentile courts. You say a marketplace? Yeah. They set up a place where you could purchase your sacrifice. And not only could you purchase a sacrifice, but if you were a Jew, let's say, traveling from Mesopotamia or coming in from Egypt or some other remote place in Africa, you had to exchange your currency because only the Jewish coins and shekels were accepted in the temple. I'm going somewhere. Yes, right. Not only that, but the third thing is in the Gentile courts, your offering, your dove, your lamb, whatever you were bringing for the high priest to pray over you for had to be inspected. Yes, yes. And if your lamb or your dove was said to have a blemish, you had to buy a new one. Are y'all in here? Now, why is this corrupt? Because the high priest was running the marketplace. And he was responsible for the currency exchange. So if you brought money from Africa, we got to charge you for changing your money. If you bought a dove that wasn't no good, we got to charge you to give you a new dove. Are y'all with me here? And if you travel so far that you couldn't bring an animal, we're going to jack the price up because you came to the temple without a sacrifice. Y'all in here now? So when he rides into the temple on his way to Calvary to die for the souls of humanity, this is the drama that he runs into in the church. And that's what I want to look at today. Three points. I'm going to look at the drama that was found in the house. I'm going to look at the drama that was forbidden in the house. And then I want to look at the drama hyphen foes that were in the house. The enemies. Y'all going to help me work? Y'all mighty quiet in the back. Come on, talk to me. Verse 45, keep your Bibles open, or it'll be on the screen for you. The Bible says that then he went into the temple. And he began to drive out, circle that word, two types of people. Those who bought and those who sold. Y'all see that there? When you come to this portion of the text, we're watching Jesus. I like this Jesus right here. Handle drama in the Lord's house. See, according to the passage, when he gets to the Passover celebration and he enters the temple, he sees the Lord's house. That it has been turned from its original purpose into a marketplace. Oh God. And it becomes a place of entrepreneurs instead of worshipers. I just dropped something right there. See, according to the verse, there were two types of people misusing the Lord's house. Buyers and sellers. Can I say some more? Brother Steve, according to the passage, the buyers were there as cur- and currency exchangers also, as I just described for you. And these were those people who will exchange larger coins for smaller coins for a fee. And every Israelite, whether they were rich or they were poor, Whenever you came to the temple, you had to give. This was a certain offering. It was called a shekel. And the shekel was the normal temple offering. Y'all think I asked for a lot of money to keep the house running. They had a certain shekel you had to bring on top of everything else you were demanded to bring. Can I say some more? Not only that, 
But if you brought an, a, a, a lamb or a dove or whatever it is, Sister Liz, you had to bring, after they expected it, they would slaughter it in the Gentile courts. Now, if you're a Gentile, you can't worship with all that drama going on. Are y'all 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 in here? Noise is all around you. You trying to get the word? You can't get it. All this noise. But watch this. After they slaughtered your animal, they had to season it in order to prepare it for the high priest to offer it. But you had to pay for the season. In other words, you can't slaughter your lamb at home, John, and then bring it to the church. And now here it is. No, we got to inspect it. We'll slaughter it. And then you're going to pay us to slaughter it, and you're going to pay us to season it. And oh, yeah, after we do that, the stuff we cut off, we keep it for ourselves. It was a racket. It was a hustle. And that's why Jesus called it a den of thieves. Can I say some more? Second of all, we see in this, this passage is that these sellers, they were not worshipers. They were not there to worship. They were there to worship the God of money. Because this is how they got paid. Can I tell you, we got the same problem in many of our churches today. Yes, sir. In many of our churches, prayer has been replaced with idolatry. Many of our places, prayer has not even become a primary task of the church. You rather give away food, you rather sing, you rather do nice children games than prayer. You know how I know? Ask people to come to prayer meeting, see how many show up. They ain't coming to prayer. They'll come to the concert. Yeah. Brother Mill, they'll drive to the parking lot to get food. Yeah. But they won't come to sit down and pray. Why? Because the house of God is not a house of prayer for them. It's something totally different. God going to get us. I'm serving us warning today. Get some act right about what the church of God, what the temple is, and what it is not. Amen. This, this drives me nuts. But there were some people who were really coming because it was the house of prayer. But the leaders who should have been operating the ministry correctly was misbehaving. So the ones who were showing up to get what it was that God had for them couldn't even experience God because of all the drama that was happening. I'm humping some of it off. But we've looked. Oh, no, 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 no. There's a third group in there. The buyers and the sellers. Can I give it to you? This last group, this last group were there. They were there not to worship, but to provide a business opportunity. And they were doing it in the name of ministry. Come on in here. They were doing it to provide a service. Here it is. They wanted to make worship convenient. And they did this criminal work under the guise of convenience my Lord. when really it was about money. Okay, I'm coming off my script. Y'all gonna help me? We got the same thing today, y'all, with new 501c3 ministries. We say, we want to do this so the church don't have to do all that God called her to do. And it's really about money, so they'll slip that in. Pastor, why don't you get some grants? God ain't told me to get no grants. If I go after grants, I ain't going after God. And I can't jump on everything you want to do because you feel like this would be a good ministry for the church. Then do it through the church. Quit trying to go out and create all of these brand new ministries. 
You got to go out and create your own ministry because you feel like you can't do what you want to do in the house of God. And guess what? At the end of the day, you need the same shackle that the house got. I'm sorry. I'm on one. Are y'all in here? I've never seen it so bad in North America. Well, now it's out of control. People will actually consider a 501c3 ministry as a place where you worship. You don't worship there. You're chasing money. And you want to do it because you can make a dollar. I'm just preaching, y'all. Excuse me, visitors. I'm pastoring right through here this morning. Here it is. These people that were in the temple that Jesus drove out were simply there to make money. They were there to create an opportunity. And they were working for the high priest who was related to them. So they kept all the money in the family. And I notice in many of our churches today, the people who need God are weary and leery of everything that goes on in the house of God. Y'all in here? I'm feeling all alone today. They were weary and leery. They didn't trust church people and don't trust church. Why? By the time they get to their seat, 10 people didn't hit them up. Can you be a part of my thing? Hey, come on over here. And be a part of this thing. Sign up to do this. Uh-huh. By the time they sit down, they don't know right. What, they don't know what's going on. It was the same way in the temple. Jesus came in. And he cleaned the house. Amen. Luke was gentle on this passage. <laughs> when you get a chance, go back and read John chapter 2. John gave details. Well, John said, Brother Wilson, he made a whip. And he whooped folks in church. Turned over tables. Now, if you were in the temple, you had to look at that. Look at Jesus. That dark-skinned Jew kicking over dove tables. Running out lambs. I can see him now. Whooping folks with a y'all with me here. That's my Jesus. Cleaning up the house. And guess what? No man dare stop him. He did it with authority. Well, we've looked at what happened when Jesus drove him out the temple. Let's look now at when Jesus forbade. That behavior in the house. Verse 46. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer. And watch this, ladies and gentlemen. He said, But you have made it. Y'all hear that there? A den of thieves. When you come to this portion of the story, Jesus not only rebukes the crowd with prophetic truth, but he reminds them of the original purpose for his house. It's the house of prayer. And well, why did he do this then, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. He did it to reset order. You know, there's order to the worship service. That's why we have ushers in the house. They're not just to point you to a good seat. Right, right. They're to help to keep order right, right. in the prayer service. Yeah, right. Right. Can I say some more? Yeah. Jesus did this to put respect back mm-hmm. in the prayer service. Yeah. And this was needed to restore reverence yeah. in the house of prayer. Oh. I want myself a note here, Mr. Williams. He got tired of it. And our Lord forbids them with the voice of authority. He goes after them and he restrains them with his hands and orders them to stop it. Knock it off. Did you see this in this text? 
God means business in the order of worship. I can remember, I'm off my script, Brother Hayward, but I can remember when the preacher would stand, silence would fall over the room. And when he asked for folks to pray, a crescendo would arise in the church. Wasn't nobody walking around, coming in late, drinking on their coffee, kicking back. Even the children would pray. There was a sacredness about prayer. I'm not reminiscing on the old days. I'm just telling y'all about order, structure. And the importance of prayer. In fact, since I'm out here, I'm in trouble. I might as well just go on and shake the whole tree. We all knew what time it started. We didn't come in 20 minutes late. We didn't, we gonna miss the prayer and then come in. No, it was the house of prayer. I got to get there before deacons start praying. Am I making sense? What happened in this thing? I believe the chief priests lost their minds. They lost the fear of God. They lost the sacredness of true worship. They lost their passion. And the house of God for them became their money maker. It became their business. It became their place. Where they could do whatever they want, whenever they want it. That's scary. The chief priests in this passage, they uh, unbeknown to them, they had a responsibility, beloved, of taking the people before God. And because they got corrupt, the people got corrupt. I just dropped something right there. Because they took worship lightly, the people took it lightly. I'm off my script, but can I make a public apology? New beginners, I want to apologize to you. If I ever made worship look light up here, I want to apologize. If I ever in any way gave you the notion of idea that this ain't a sacred moment. Forgive me if that has ever happened. I noticed, though, Tom, it's the first time in Jesus' three-year ministry, and it comes at the last week of his ministry, that he drives them out. I wrote myself a note, Brother Johnny, instead of wooing them, he's driving them. Why? He's got a problem with pseudo-worshippers and pseudo-worship. Those who claim to serve him, beloved, must never defame his temple. Let me tell you, it ain't cool to be cute cussing in the parking lot. It ain't cool to do cool little gossiping in the house of God. It ain't cool for you to get in your car and smoke your camels or your whatever you on the parking lot. If you want your proclivities, don't do them in front of my children. Take your sinful attitude around the block, up the street, and on the freeway. It ain't cool to come in here with your tumbler and have your favorite little mocha in there. You done got too casual, baby. And you may be the reason the house can't get blessed. It ain't cool to come in here smoking weed. You just bowed up in the gym, in the house and then you come in here like we don't know you high. Now the whole row is high. You know you coming to the Lord's. I'm sorry, y'all. You know you coming to the Lord's house. Shut it down on Saturday night. Get up sober. Take a shower. Wash your hair. We don't want to get high with you. We struggling already. I'm sorry I'm on one today. Okay, let me get back exegetically to the text. I know y'all saying he feeling some kind of way. 
when the Bible says, when the Bible says, he said to them, is written, is written, but he said the Bible says, in other words, he used preaching to set the house right. Can I say some more? Every now and then, there ought to be some preaching that set the house right. Preaching don't care whether you like it or not. Preaching don't care if it feels good or not. Preaching don't care if you agree with it or not. It's the divine oracle of God given to the divine one who's been called by God to preach a divine message that God wants you to hear. It's just preaching. Somebody holler, preach to me. Preaching set the house right. Secondly, I see in this text, God said to them, Jesus said to them, you've turned my house into something it wasn't supposed to be. Did y'all catch that? They made it, look at what he called it. This was so hurtful. They made it a den of thieves. Think about that. Think about what a den of thieves look like. It's a place where evil dwells. He's talking about his house and what they made it into. It's a place where crimes are committed and about to be committed. It's a location where the vulnerable are taken advantage of. And you wonder why the hustlers don't want to come in here. They're like, I know a hustler when I see one, Reverend. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. Yeah. Like, why should I go in there? A lot of that's true. Yeah. I would come to church, but them people just like me. Jesus said, y'all taking my house that was supposed to be known for talking to God and turned it into a place of robberies. You've completely defamed the name and the purpose of the house of the Lord. Here's what I learned in this text, brothers and sisters. I wrote myself a note, Melinda. The house of prayer is not your house. You can do whatever you want to do at your house. You want to live in the den? Go ahead. But this is his house. Right. Not your house. Amen. Did I say something like that? Yes, and the ministries that go on in here, they his ministries. Amen. They ain't your ministries. Amen. You ain't got no business telling somebody they can't work in the ministry That's right. in his house. Amen. I'm sorry, visitors, y'all caught me on this day, but we just walked through the Bible and this happened to be the passage that popped up. Amen. This house has been set aside for the people, the people of God, to carry on what God wants carried on in his house. So I wrote myself some notes. Number one, don't borrow from it. If you didn't bring the chair, leave it here. Don't tear it up. Don't misbehave in here. Don't mistreat people in here. Don't rob from it. Don't steal from it. Tom, I'm going to bring it back. You still got it. I just need to keep it simple. You know that drill wasn't yours. Them dishes ain't yours. Them chafing dishes don't belong to you. Bring them back. Can I say some more? I know y'all about done with me. I'm in the text, Darren. I'm in the text. Can I tell you, don't hurt people in here. Listen, people can get over their doctor hurting them. They can get over their school teacher hurting them. They can get over their mailman hurting them. They can even get over their family hurting them. But when somebody in God's house hurts them, they don't bounce back. It takes a long time to get over church hurt. Somebody at home right now watching online because they can't stand to be in the building. 
and COVID ain't got nothing to do with it. Don't hurt people in here. That means watch what you say. That little nice, nasty stuff you be doing. Knock it off. Not only that, keep his house clean. Keep it up. You don't litter in your driveway. Don't litter in his. Keep his house safe. If can't nobody come into your house and bother your babies, you better not let nobody come in his and bother them. Last note I put to myself, and keep your drama at home. I lost all my visitors this morning. I'm, I told Brother John, man, excuse me today, I'm going to try to behave. According to the passage below, all I'm trying to say, and I'm getting ready to turn the corner. He says his father's house, that's all he's saying, is to be a holy place. And it's a place of prayer. And that makes me believe, uh, Deacon Terry, that we must check ourselves at the door. Check ourselves at the door. Check our attitudes before we enter into his sanctuary. We ought to be asking ourselves questions as we're walking up the walkway to worship. You can't be a mean greeter at the door. That's just bad. You can't be a hostile deacon at the door. You can't be a leader of outreach and be mean and nasty toward people. In fact, let me serve all y'all know you fired. If that's you, knock it off. They got enough problems. I'm sorry, y'all. Spirit of God, help me this morning. (laughs) We ought to examine our wicked hearts, beloved. We ought to examine them before we even pick up a hymnal to worship, to sing. We ought to examine them before we pray. We got all forbid drama in the house. I wrote myself a note. We got to all Forbid drama at the door, from the pulpit to the pew, and drama in the house won't do. That's a good note. That's, that's, that's four bars of the 16. I'm going to finish writing. Jackie, I'm going to finish that one right there. We've looked at what happened when Jesus found and forbade drama in the house. Let's look now at those foes who carry drama in the house. Verse 47. I want you to see this because I know people tend to hear me preach and sometimes they say, why are you talking about me? I ain't talking about you. I'm in the text. Unless your name on the screen. Okay. The Bible says... And he was teaching daily. Remember, it's Monday and Friday's coming. So he spends his last days on the way to the cross in the temple teaching. He's trying to write the house before he leaves. But, y'all see that? The chief priests, the scribes, And the leaders of the people, what they do, family? They sought to destroy. These are the foes that we're talking about in the text. Beloved, as we get ready to close this passage, we discover, first of all, that Jesus did all that he was going to do and to say that work in the temple or that week in the temple. He was what I call Reverend Bruce teaching in a hostile area. And while he was teaching, his enemies, his foes, those that were responsible for causing the drama and the behavior occurring in the temple, were developing a plan to destroy him. Now, I learned in this verse, beloved, that Jesus' enemies, first of all, they're many. 
And they were found in the temple during his teaching. The Bible says, and he called them by name. These were the chief priests. They were the ones responsible for the order of the service. Offering the sacrifices for the people. And establishing the religious order throughout the community. Then there were the scribes. Mm -hmm. These were the ones that handled the, the detailed information, kind of like a deacon does in the church. And then he says there were the leaders of the people. They didn't necessarily have a title, but they had influence in the community. And this ungodly trinity was working to shut down the voice of Jesus. My Lord. Can I say some more? Because Jesus had a different theology about the temple of the Lord. They was upset. Are y'all in here? Jesus believed the house of the Lord was to be a place of prayer. But they had other ideas about what the house should look like. What ministry should be taking place. It was their theology and their doctrine that allowed them to do whatever they felt like doing in the house of God. And Jesus said, "Uh uh-huh, my house is a house of prayer. And that made me think, brothers and sisters right here, they had what I call was bad theology and bad doctrine that led to a bad attitude. See, if you think wrong about God and you think wrong about his word, you're going to act wrong. Am I making sense? If your theology and your Bible doctrine about the house of the Lord is evil as theirs were, you're going to misbehave toward the real word of God when it says something you don't like. That's why they plot to kill him, because they don't like what he's teaching. Okay, let me say it another way for my millennials. If you don't see God's house the way God sees it, you ain't going to care about what God cares about. If you, don't see, if you see God's house in any other way than as God sees it, beloved, your vision is wrong. If you see God's house as your meal ticket, your lottery choice, your place of hustle, then your vision is sinful. And God ain't pleased with that. His house is a place of prayer, not a den of thieves. Okay, I got to leave you now. I think y'all get it. But these foes, these enemies, they had an agenda. And their agenda was to destroy him. You see that there? Not to pull him aside, not to cause him, to destroy him. They don't even know that the cross is coming in four days. But now they are extra motivated to try to silence his voice. Here it is. They wanted to kill the message of Christ. They wanted to destroy him, silence the word that he was teaching in the temple. They wanted to remove his presence. So they plotted to see how they could get rid of Jesus. I'm getting out of here, but I tell you, this is happening in the church today. The enemies of the Lord still want to silence his voice. They will always be plotting how we can shut down that message. Why? Because the, the, Jesus demands that the house of the Lord be a house of prayer and nothing else. I have the privilege of serving many pastors and working with them uh, in their ministries. And if there's one thing that's consistent, it's the, yes, observation of the number of people that oppose the message that they preach on Sunday morning. All right. All right. 
That's equivalent to the text. Let me shut Wilson up. Let me do something that closes his mouth. I know what. I just won't give to the house of the Lord. Maybe that'll make him shut up. I'll make it so he gotta go get another job. So he can't be here to teach and preach. I'll silence him. I'll teach him. I'm gonna shut him up. And that's equivalent to what they were doing to Jesus. Can I say some more? Listen, it's Passion Week for Jesus. The clock is running down. He knows Calvary is coming. He's got to preach whether they like him or not. And he, he guess what? He's not backing off in Passion Week. He's getting heavier in the text. As we say in the South, he's putting his weight on it. Can I tell you? You got a pastor who's putting his weight on it. I got more light behind me than I got in front of me. Can I be honest with y'all? I think the older I get, the crazier I'm getting. Freddie, I'm through apologizing for my sermons. I'm in the fourth quarter. And my Friday is coming. It ain't no time for me to give you a soft sermon. I need to make you mad every time you come in here. Until something change. Okay, I'm through. But can I say it like I wrote it? It's Monday. But Friday's coming. It's Monday. But he can hear the nails ringing in the distance. It's Monday. But he can already see the trial and persecution in front of Caiaphas. It's Monday. But he can already see Peter and the boys running out on him. It's Monday. But he can already feel the whips ripping his skin off his flesh. It's Monday. But he can already feel the crown of thorns pressed into his brow. It's Monday. But he can already feel the weight of the cross coming up the Pond de la Rocha, being dropped high and ran outside of the city. Yeah. Well, at the place called Golgotha, yeah. he's going to die. Yeah. Didn't he die? Yeah. They stretched him wide, yeah. and they dropped him low, yeah. and he died. Yeah. He died for the haters. Yeah. He died for the killers. Yeah. He died for the worshipers yeah. that they might have everlasting life. Didn't he die? I said, didn't he die? To the earth rocked and riddled like a drunken man. Didn't he die? To the sun refused to shine. Didn't he die? To the blood came out streaming down for the forgiveness of sins and the washing of transgressions. He died? Mama said he died. They took the body down. Put him in another man's tomb. It was another man's tomb because he wasn't going to need it very long. And early, I said early, early Sunday morning with all power of heaven and earth in his hand, he rose from the dead. Now tell somebody, didn't he rise? He got up, y'all, and he got up with authority. He got up with power. And most of all, he got up with clarity. Clarity about the condition of humanity and to reconcile us back into a right relationship with God. And I like this right here. Before he did all that, he set the house in order. And he probably a lot like my mama. I clean this house and I want it clean when I come back. Am I right? Can I tell you, he expected to be clean when he get back. And all God's people said, bow your head with me forward to prayer. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.
There is something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Would you hum that with me softly? Beloved, this is a discipleship message that calls for all of his worshipers to examine, to examine our hearts, to examine our attitudes, to examine our theology. What do we believe about the house of prayer? What do we believe about the doctrine of Christ? Do we believe this is a place of prayer? If it is, then our lifestyles ought to change. Our positions, our behavior. And that's the challenge today. I pray that if you have had one of these chief priest type attitudes, scribes or leaders of the people, where you have been plotting to silence God's word in your life, that you will repent of it today. You would tell the Lord, I'm sorry. I've been ignoring your voice. I've been trying to do me. But I'm sorry. And I want to make that right. So in a moment of silence, while you are there, we sing this hymn over you. Do business with God. And I'll come back with the second invitation for salvation. Jesus, 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 there is something about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth online. You say, Pastor, I don't have a personal relationship with God, and I need to know Him. Yes, you do, beloved, and let me tell you why. He loves you, and He's pursuing you, and He wants a personal, intimate relationship with you. You can have that today because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's why you can have it. You can have it because the Bible says whoever shall confess 
with their mouth and believe in their heart that God was raised from the dead, they can be saved. That's the intimate relationship. And God wants to give it to you. You can have it today. You desire. By simply praying this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord, I'm a sinner. And I need my sin forgiven. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin against you. Come into my heart and save me. I believe you are the Christ and you came that I might have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, beloved, the Bible says you have become born again. You are now a son or a daughter of the Lord. And we've got a wonderful team here that's going to meet with you right when I'm through, right over to this side of this room. But this third invitation is for the person who is here today. And perhaps you're already a Christian. You have a personal relationship with God. But you're in between church homes. You don't have a local church where you are a member of, where you serve, where you do ministry. Would you consider new beginnings today? Would you consider making this church your church? You say, what does that mean to become a member? I'm glad you asked. It means to become a faithful, supporting, working person in the church. That's what we're calling for today. God has placed gifts in you. When he saves you and you receive his spirit, he also gives you gifts. And he's given you talents at birth to use for him in the house of the Lord. I wonder if there's one of you today that says, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to become a working member in the church. I want to come join. This hymn is for you. Why don't you come down and take my hand? and join us in the work of the kingdom. Jesus has something about your name. Jesus, Jesus, would you come? Jesus, let all pastor who couldn't make me mad some of the time. You ought to be able to guide you and preach the word. Now if you come back next week and the Lord delays his coming, we'll be in chapter 20 and it gets gooder. So keep reading the book. Tell somebody back to the book. Beloved, we are getting ready to let you go. We're preparing now to prepare our hearts for worship and giving. There are multiple ways you can give here at the New Beginnings Church. You can do it online. In just a moment, you'll see it on the screen. But you can go to www.nbcbc.org. Click on the giving tab there. And there instruct you how to give your offering. There's also envelopes that the deacons are holding up for you now. If you need one of those, you can get one of those. A white envelope is for the tithe and offering. The yellow envelope is for our capital campaign, our love, faith, and obedience campaign. The blue envelope is a love offering for your senior pastor. 
three ways, four ways rather, you can give online, you can give in the envelope system. But let me encourage you to give today. Why? Because God has given to you. Listen, and then there's no gift that's too small. There's no gift that's too large. Give because God is a giver. And God has blessed you with the opportunity to give. And everybody has something to offer the Lord. Amen. Amen. Remember, his house is a house of prayer. And it calls for order in his house. And giving is one of those orders. So obey him today, beloved. Do you need an envelope? Do you need an envelope? Amen. While you're preparing to give, I'm going to pray. We're going to have our invitation. I'm sorry, our announcements, very important announcements while you're preparing your envelopes. And then I'll come back and give the giving time. Lady Wilson, would you come with the announcements for the sisterhood event? Can I borrow your mic for the future? Thank you. Sister Wilson, why don't you do that?